nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Kareem Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Welcome to the Managing Madrid podcast. It is Saturday. It is, I don't know, about an hour or so after Real Madrid coming with a huge, huge three points away at Mendy Sorosa against Alaves. And joining me on this early-ish hour, um, depending on where you are in the world, and for us on the east coast of North America, it's it's relatively early compared to like a normal La Liga game. Uh, joining me, Gabe Lezra. Yep. Uh, a, a nice appearance Your, on the podcast. Yeah, I'm back. Um, yeah, I'm psyched to be here and t- talk about what actually, frankly, was a really gritty, fun game. I'm uh, going against a Alaves side that has uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of heart, a lot of character in in Mendizorosa, which is a f- famously tough place to play in the absolute pouring rain. Jeff like, just gutty, man. Love to see it. We love it. We love to see it. It's For great. Sure. Um, and I'm psyched to be back. Uh, shout out to everyone who asked about me um, at the live show. I'm sorry I couldn't go. I uh, have only a set number of vacation days a year, <laughs> and I got to make them make use of them. Uh, more, <laughs> I gotta I gotta not use all of them before uh, the end of the year. So no excuse, um, Gabe. You could have no you could have come Saturday morning fun. and then took a flight <laughs> true, back Sunday night. Back. <laughs> exactly. You take the 8 p.m. flight out of uh, or whatever out of out of DCA. I actually don't think yeah. that's possible. So, I don't think there's a flight that no, exists I don't that could think... get you back to work on time, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, I think that's probably right. Oh, well. <laughs> do you feel in years past, Real Madrid would have dropped points in a game like this? 100%. Mm. This is the last time I saw a Real Madrid team win games like this was the middle Zidane year, the year they won the the, the league. Yeah. This Type of matches, exactly the type of match that Madrid would have drawn or lost uh, in in almost on every previous season, including you know uh, sometimes when the, the team was playing really well, they would still lose or draw this type of match because they were wouldn't take it seriously or something. But yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I think that was the most. That's why today was so impressive for me. I don't think like if we if you go through and look at kind of just <laughs> the events of this game. It's hard to look at, to pinpoint and be like, this guy was awesome. This guy was a standout. I think you had good performances from certain players, but no one really stood out. But it was the collective grind out victory. And I almost like, I kind of said, said this in my in a in a post game tweet that you could call those goals ugly. You could call the win ugly. I almost think you could also call it epic because there was like a a hint of like it was you know it was raining, tough place to play. There were there was a lot of annoying things happening um, throughout the game, namely Alex Vidal, who really was channeling his inner, the, yeah. every cell of his inner, uh, his inner coulee in this game to try to yeah. annoy us and throw us off. But we came out, and you look at the goals. Ramos looked like he was leaping against five-year-old kids. That's how well he got <laughs> to that header. And then Isco, um, not the tallest player in the world, 
just flying through at the far post to meet Modric's cross, hits the hits the post. I don't know what Danny Carvajal was doing in the box in that situation, but he was there. He scores a scrappy goal. And I just thought, like, for sure, I, after I watched the uh, first half, I thought for sure that if we were going to open this game up and score, it was going to be through some kind of yeah. goal like that, yeah. scrappy set piece, a deflection, something, yeah. and that's and that ended up being totally. what happened. Yeah, and it just had that kind of air to it. I mean, these, and that's part of the, part of the problem. I mean, not problem. Part of the entire question of the, this Real Madrid team is whether they have the grit, or the determination, right, to gut these types of games out. And you know, yeah, there is, there was a little bit of a question about how soft whether this team's a little soft uh, mentally, a little bit physically, a little bit. And I think that they came out and answered that question very well. And yeah, I mean. I, I think importantly, you know, for that, they, they held on at the end of the game, which was a, a really tough, you know, 15 or 20 minutes at the end of the match. And they gutted it out. And, you know, they brought on they brought on Rodrigo, I think, in part uh, to bring a little bit more pace, bring a little bit more athleticism to the attack, assuming they would be doing a little more counterattacking. Incredibly intense place to bring out uh, 18-year-old. He is. Uh, but you know what? He stood up. Um, he stood up well in the face of uh, the uh, uh, this attack and corner after corner and and whatnot, and he uh, he mixed it up. So yeah. he, I thought he was a really impressive. He was in a really impressive sub on Zidane because it's a gamble, right? You're dropping in this kid who had played most of his games in the Bernabeu in one of the most intense atmospheres in all of Spanish football, and he and he stood up for it. It was great. Um, can I can I interrupt this really quickly? Just uh, some breaking news. I don't know if you saw, but like as we're recording, they just did the Euro 20, 2020 draw for the groups. Yeah, and this group F is something out of uh, out of complete hell. It's France, Germany, and Portugal in one group. I don't. It's insane. I don't. What? I can't even. Oh well, yeah, that means that. that also means that there are going to be at least two groups that are going to be just shit teams. Uh, so what are the what are the other groups? Spain is with going to be like Spain is with Sweden and Poland. Uh, but, so I guess they play Sweden again somehow, even though they were in the qualifiers with them. The Dutch have a pretty easy group with Ukraine and Austria, um, England and Croatia together. You're right. I mean one one group is Denmark, Finland, Russia, and then Belgium. There you go. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. I didn't. I mean, first of all, how are the how is the draw happening right now? I didn't even really realize. Um, it's a Saturday. I didn't. I did not expect it either. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, no one really knew about it because everyone's on. surprised on Twitter. Like, what? There's a draw right now. We're, we're like in the middle of watching uh, games in the in our domestic leagues. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I don't know how. That's insane. That's three cra- three amazing teams in one group. Um. Sorry. I uh, yeah. Also, shout out to our our Spurs fans, um, brothers and sisters. We, we hate to see it. Um, Pochettino fired and uh, mm. Mourinho coming in. You know what? We feel for you and uh, enjoy the ride because the Mourinho experience can be quite ex- quite intense. <laughs> um, uh, little resurgence from them though under Mourinho. I kind of predicted yeah. it. I I feel like everyone. This is the the classic spike after you bring in a new manager, and then it'll eventually will something will happen and the apocalypse will happen at 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 Spurs. In you the know end, what I Mourinho was telling, will kill I was it. Telling- because in the end, Mourinho does break this down and whatever. But I, I, he is also a good enough coach that – and he does coach a team that plays a fast counterattacking style and 
kind of com- works on being compact in defense, not have the ball that much, and break out on 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 the wings. Like he created that team at Madrid that was that was very good at that, and that team that basically beat the Pep that was designed to beat the Pep Barca, and he did it. He did a great job there. He hasn't since then had a team with anything close to that level of talent. And I actually think that t- the Spurs team that he has right now has better talent than either of the two teams he's, he's coached in the last little bit of time. So yeah, it'd be no interesting. Question. It'll be interesting to see how he deals with that because this might be a good point, you know, for this might be a good place for him. Um, he what, might create a team that's like kind of competitive. One thing's for sure, like what Mourinho is coaching um, and he's not coaching your team. It's actually quite entertaining. Um, to, to have him around in football, five fiving ball boys, bringing them out to lunch, just gold in the media, awesome, awesome just having. Yeah, him around. we love that. Yeah, having him around, that's cool. That's good. Well, probably, also, you know what? If he is coaching your team, he's going to say a lot of insane shit, and it's going to you're it's going to be stuff that you're thinking also. Like he'll come out and be like that referee biased against us because he grew up in like uh, as Arsenal fan or something. It'll be a total lie and he's going to get fined for it. But you'll be like, oh yeah, fuck yeah, our coach was saying that. <laughs> and, and that's kind of cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's he's back. like, he's like real life Twitter. Um, uh, we'll probably um, circle back to Mourinho because there's a Casillas question later, later from a patron. Um, you talked about the subs in this game. I don't. I don't think we should discount how difficult this game was on the schedule. Yeah. Um, Alaves yeah. are a good team despite where they are on the table, and obviously the widely circulated stat now is that they they actually have the best defense at home in the entire league. They've conceded two goals there before today all season. You could you could see how organized Gaetano had them play um, this game, where yeah. it was really hard for Real Madrid to find openings, and they weren't really finding them. Unless it was a Ramos long ball over the top, which eventually led to that Isco chance at the top of the box. Isco coming in yeah. for another chance at the top of the box. The ball was cut back to him. Or Isco trying to find a through pass, which didn't really find its mark. Um, it was hard to break this team down. Um, it, it, this was not a, an easy game on the schedule. And I think we could we can also just be appreciative of these performances slash result in the last few games. The last three games have been difficult on the schedule. Yeah. Real Sociedad after the international break. Yeah. PSG dropped points but played well. And then this game, which they came away with the victory, which um, I don't think this was his full strength lineup. I think this was he kind of looked at this and maybe thought he could kind of rotate a little bit. You saw the old trio of Modric, Cruz, Casemiro, and then Isco in front of them. Um, which wasn't really the diamond a diamond once you saw it no. kind of unfold a little bit, right, Gabe? No, I wouldn't say it was a diamond, not the way it unfolded. It, but it, what it did do was allow Isco to kind of play his game, and he is such a he's such an interesting player because um, he is actually deeply talented and one of the best creators Madrid has, but he is can be and has been misused and Zidane I think knows that more than most people having been one of the people that has you know seemingly missed missed opportunities to have Isco get on the team sheet um but you know when he gets it right and when Isco is given kind of this free role with a kind of strong creative back behind him right so that it basically ended up in a situation where Isco, Isco was everywhere 
and then the three like Casemiro behind them and then Kroos and Modric were both kind of ersatz like defenders <laughs> yeah right um and Isco was then running everywhere in the front of so not really a diamond but but that leads to brilliant creative football from Isco who I think I mean to the extent that there can be a man of the match in a match that's like basically played in a mud puddle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would say, I would say it was probably Isco and you know, I've been, I've been saying this for a while and I think that, and, and this is not to get into like a fight, like all, like all the way back that uh, we've had so many times on the show about Hamas and all that stuff. But I put Isco on my team of the decade <laughs> and no one else even mentioned him, but he has been playing. I think he, has you put been him playing, as a starter. Yeah, mm. I, I I put him as a starter because I he I believe that he has been playing at a very high level for Real Madrid for a longer period than almost anyone else on the team. Who did you bench uh, for for Isco in that lineup? Bale, mm. Benzema, Bale. I bench Bale. Okay, because of the injuries. Mm. Um, I I agree with you that. I think if you really had to pinpoint a man of the match, it, it would probably be Isco in this situation. Not necessarily for his efficiency, um, but just because he was he was very active and trying to trying to take the game by the scruff of the neck and actually trying to create a lot. And that it was difficult in a game like this. It was interesting. Zidane um, said something that I that I really liked after the game because someone had asked him their formation of four four two, what it was, and. To be honest, I'm not entirely sure what it was either, but it kind of morphed in between the game. It was a 4-4-2 sometimes, and Isco was mostly as a left winger that was interchangeable with a bail more than a free-roaming one, as we talked about. But Zidane said after the game, it's not about formations. It's not about 4-4-2. It doesn't matter what the formation is. It matters how much we move off the ball and where we move, basically, is the paraphrasing of, of what he said. Um and I thought Real Madrid's movement was pretty good in this game. Just Alaves just defended well. And Isco was very active in trying to move off the ball, but also trying to find those runs. So again, I don't I don't think it was like a, a master class from him, but I think it was if you had to pinpoint no, yeah. somebody, it was it was probably him. Um maybe a shout out to Militao, who I thought was good defensively, although yeah. that that high line was punishable at times by Alaves, but you know, I think he did well um overall. And then and, obviously Ramos, um, who, who yeah, scored Ramos and had, then gave away gave a penalty. penalty. And then, I don't know if you saw, did you see him telling the referee, Alex Vidal, about Alex Vidal's gesture? <laughs> he, he, You know what? He, We love to hate, like, people love to hate him, and he's just always going to, he's going to do something like that all the time. I, I mean, he, it was classic two-face, Sergio Ramos, yeah, where you've got the, he was very good generally as a defender. He provided that offensive spark um, on the goal where he outjumped everyone on the team. Uh, but he also like gave up a penalty, almost got himself sent off, almost gave up a, a second penalty that would have been a tire like a backbreaking penalty in like minute eighty. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we're good. This is Ramos. This is like classic Sergio Ramos match. Yeah, uh, which Except like he has a mustache now. <laughs> <laughs> he has a mustache. We have a question about the mustache coming up. Um, I, the, the penalty also he gave away, I think, was was very clumsy from him. I don't. I think. I think some people try to defend him I, for that singular moment. I don't. I don't want to defend him because I think it's. It was a. It was a clumsy decision to pull your elbow in like that and concede yeah. a penalty. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. What other talking points do you have from this? So. 
I think we we hit the the main notes that I particular like personally wanted to get out there. But I w- I did want to come back to the Zidane quote from the presser, where he uh, he talked. I think it's some of the most uh, interesting and, and introspective quote that I've I've heard him say about the way he views a football game, and I think it's a really important thing to understand for people, um, and I think it's a really important thing that uh, a lot of people get too locked into and don't understand that defense right a de- defense the the way a team defends is very much about formation and zones right and important to have people you know covered in different zones and that requires everyone on the team essentially knowing how the ball like where the ball you need to be when the ball is in a different in a certain place that's important and that's why you have this concept of where these people play and the zones that they occupy Offense is the moving and interacting of the players in space. And it's a very different thing. So when you talk about it, it, it almost doesn't make sense in modern football to talk about a formation of attackers because what they're doing and what they should be doing and what Zidane has got his Real Madrid teams always to do, and I think he got this from Ancelotti, is to manipulate space by making runs off the ball and you'll end up having a situation where your left winger is all the way on the other side of the pitch mm-hmm. you'll have a situation where your center your, your center forward is basically playing as a defensive midfielder um this is just in order to try to get the other team to break down their zone right to to make a mistake and then create a pocket of space that someone else can run into and that's my the rant on this i actually find like formation discussion questions to be very annoying <laughs> um, because of th- this exact thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I really like when you just, just tell me the players who are, are expected to kind of attack and then you can kind of guess how that will play out. Right. Um, but, and I, I, I also really like the idea of um, Isco coming, coming in, playing with Hazard, that's an interesting combination. And I think it could be really, really effective for the team going forward. Yeah, I was skeptical of how that would work because um, they can kind of do very similar things from a a similar position on the field. But I love the way it worked against PSG. And for that reason, I think we'll probably see more of it. Um, I yeah I, I I like the way they and by the way Hazard I think is definitely a presence that was probably missing in this game and would have helped a little bit on that left flank because yeah. I think we the way we had it structured we didn't have much presence on the flank um, really in the, actually the, the PSG game as well but in the PSG game there was so much control that it didn't matter as much uh, I remember there were like times where they would look up against PSG like someone like Carvajal sometimes were was in the middle of the field, he got the ball and looked out wide and there was no one there because there were no wingers on the right flank. And so, um, but but Hazard in this game like this, he's very good at unlocking and dribbling and no one can dribble like him yeah, on the team. Yeah, and that so, would have been nice to have him out yeah. there. I, I was talking, obviously. I'm kind of getting all these games smashed together in my my mind. But uh, Hazard and Isco is an exciting partnership in my view because they both bring a similar skill set, but the similar skill set is the type of this type of skill set that actually mashes pretty well, um, which is both of them are kind of creative passers with uh, brilliant dribbling ability. Uh, and 
Arzard, I think, has slightly better finishing, but you know, Isco may have that kind of moment of magic that will, you know, open up and unlock a game. So yeah. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of what this go where this team is going, actually. And this is the first time in a while that I've been genuinely, I think, excited by the progress of Real Madrid. Yeah, I think like, so too. Over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it uh there is an exciting thing brewing right now. And I like you mentioned the East Coast Hazard connection. I also I, I enjoyed the PSG game so much in particular, just the way they stepped up in that big game. Not only the way they played, but the way they they're just their passing. And I mentioned this on Twitter. I just thought like the way some of the one-touch passing and touches and the smoothness and the composure between Isco, or sorry, not Isco, Hazard, Benzema, and Marcelo on that left side kind of reminded me yep. of Raul Roberto Carlos and Zidane, the way they dominated that yeah. left side of the field back in the day, like almost yep. 20 years ago now. Um, it was nice, aesthetically very pleasing to watch. Um, obviously, the other notable absent absence in the starting lineup was Fede Valverde. Um, yes. Mind you, I don't think... you would think, have thought... Mm. You, sorry, go ahead. Well, just that I don't, I don't think this was a case of, of Zidane thinking that Fede wasn't, was not good enough to be a starter in this game. I think it was more like, at some point, you can't start your best players in every game. And I, I think my takeaway so far from this season, what I've seen from Fede... I think he's he has to start in the big games. That's how much how good he's been. I he's been actually so good. It it I can't believe how good he's been. Um, and I think him obviously on the field would have would have helped with the structure a little bit. But um, he was a notable yeah. absence. But I don't think it was it wasn't like a, a a game where Zidane dropped him for a particular reason other than no, no. you need to you need to rotate a little bit and this is a game you can rotate in. Yeah, and this exactly exactly. Um, it was, though, interesting because I do think of Fede, the, what he has become, as exactly the type of player you would want in a match like this. Like, he is a sort of gritty and, uh, uh, you know, strong-minded physical player who, you know, can, can get up there and fight for the ball in the air and whatnot. And he actually did end up winning four aerial duels in just the 15 minutes that he played, mm. <laughs> and which is, you know... <laughs> much higher than you would expect in 15 minutes, but he, and I, I would have thought, thought that he would be in the game. The problem is I think it, it, it gets to the point where who do you remove from this lineup to make room for him? And I think, you know, the obvious answer is, is I think Isco probably, but then we talk about Isco having a truly immense match. <laughs> like, so, I mean, maybe you take out Bale and play Belverde, but I, anyways, I, I agree this is a clear ro- ro- rotation game. That being said, in an ideal world, I actually would have Fede in this match because of exactly the type of match that it was, which is like a you know gritty, uh, muddy, uh, you know, the kind of match that we talked about when... <laughs> uh, uh, when we talk about shitty games, like shitty... But that, that great Twitter account, right? Shit uh, 90s football... And it has these games where the pitch is just an entire like a mud patch and the teams are just flipping and stuff. And, you know, one eventually you're going to have to grit the grit those games out. And Fetty has that in spades, I think. Yeah. Um, and and so like your question about like, I guess, you know, maybe who gets dropped is a bail or so. I, uh, I think it's an amazing problem to have because in a way it's a bit bewildering at what actually Zidane does in like a do or die game. I think 
we also have to just maybe one of the things I think it was Carvajal who said this after the game. I don't know if it was Carvajal. Maybe it was Zidane himself speaking of just like losing track of what's what these days. But uh, just the fact that he's going Zidane will play who's in form, um, which is a statement that seems kind of ironic that because sometimes he just doesn't do that. But um, I think one thing we we probably take for granted and maybe discount often as a fan base is that Zidane sees things we don't see in training and nobody has access yeah. to except for him. So just the idea of like who is going to be dropped in certain games, like a lot of it is just like he's going to have to decide based on form and who's who's working well in training. Um, and it's kind of tough to to see or foresee what that what situation the team is going to be in at that stage but 100% um def- definitely there's like but, a bunch of pieces here that like you know Hamas is injured and right also now. there's another one yeah right that's a good point and also of course you know Zidane you can criticize Zidane for his rotations but ultimately we know that what his rotations do are make Real Madrid the force that they become starting and around late March, early April. That is when, like, that is the time that he is building towards, and it is the time that all of this will like begins to pay off. All of the rotations, because we are playing against teams that can't or haven't rotated, uh, and all of literally all of the the Real Madrid players are fresher. Given and given the depth of this lineup, uh, he can do that now, um, which he couldn't do in his last year, which is I think one of the reasons he left. I just. I I strongly believe in the rotation policy. I believe in like minutes minute limits. I, I even think it was good that he started Ariola over Thibaut Courtois today. I think that should be a actual battle for that position and not just assume one of them is going to be better. It makes both of those players want to play better. Uh, just like Danny Carvajal has been kind of a resurrection story this yeah. year. He's you know fought hard every time, and, and you can see it on every game. He wants he wants it so. Uh, I had one last thing, one last thing um, that I wanted to discuss other than the sho- genuinely shocking Ariola um, inclusion in this lineup. Um, and by the way, he was really good. I thought, you know, he missed, he missed on the penalty, but generally he's tall. He was great out, you know, quick off his line on the crosses. And I was, I was, I was comfortable with him in goal. Despite, yeah, he was good. You know, good with the ball at his feet too. Or, and Alavaz yeah. pressing high at times, and you know he he did he did well. Yeah, uh, I don't have that much more. Uh, I I don't have that much more on this. Um, I just, think it's mm-hmm. you you know you mentioned this earlier, but I think it just that worth it could come back and say and remind people that uh, Edgar Militao had an actually really incredible game today, and it's really good because. Uh, he was real bad in his last game. And in this one, he just, he looked like the kid, the kid, right. This player that we all know that he could be, and that hopefully will anchor Madrid's backfield when free for like decade with, with Varane. Yeah, he was good. What was that last game that he played? Was it Mallorca? The one he played? Mallorca. Yeah. Um, I thought he was good. He had one tackle in the first half that he got to that I, that I was just like floored with because he was he was behind the play and he just caught up and he just picked the guy's pocket. I don't know if it was Jose Lu or Lucas Perez or who it was, but um, yeah, Bale had in the last two games has like has been 
an inch to the an inch at the wrong side of the post, essentially. He's hit the post twice. Yeah. And an inch over, the narrative of his performance is completely changes. Because imagine if if he scores that PSG free kick. My God, that the stories yeah. are just so... They're just endless after a game like that. Like, And he, he scores the winner. And if he scores... Because a lot of people didn't like his performance today, me included. I, didn't, I don't think he was... I don't think he was bad, but it, I think this was a really tough game for him. Um, but if he scores that, there was that Isco cross that he gets yeah. his head onto and it hits the post. If that yeah, goes again, in, that also changes things too for him. Yeah, I I totally agree. I mean, he's not helping himself. Like, he's not helping himself with with the kind of bullshit that his uh, kind of extracurricular things, like with the. Whale stuff. What was your um, thought on thought on that? Because I never talked to. You I thought it was. I mean, honestly, I I thought it was pretty funny, but I sure. I also like think that frankly, people people and I knew people in Spain would not think it was funny and think it was really offensive, and I I just think that Bale, I, I either doesn't know or doesn't care, and if he doesn't know, then he's stupid. Which I don't think he is, but maybe he is. I mean, I, David Beckham, for example, like famously stupid, like whatever. But I think he just doesn't care. Which, sh- which, which, what, what that shows to me is that he is like getting ready to to head out after this season. Like I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna want to move on. Um, I, I think the fact that he just has laughed off everything is uh, is just. I actually think it's kind of admirable because he's gotten to the point where he just laughs it off. He's dealing with it with the humor and uh Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean that is a healthy attitude. I think so too. I think so too. I think he's dealt with it well. I think the one thing that maybe he could have done is come out and just talk about it. And then he just decided not to. And then that just made things worse for, for a lot of the media because silence for them is like um they've already had yeah, enough silence and introvertness from Bale that, you know, he's if he doesn't come out and say something like this they're just going to basically just keep pushing and pushing their narrative, but yep. Um, I don't. There was two two of our best players this season. Casemiro and Benzema did not have a great game today. Um, yep, that's right. I think Benzema. Benzema. This was a tough one for him. He had a couple couple chances where he tried to curl it far post and was woefully off target. And then um, and Casemiro. Had a, a few lazy touches and giveaways in this one, but had some good defensive plays. He got absolutely burned by Alaves substitute Oliver Burke on the on that left on that uh, Alaves right. Oh yeah, flag, I remember that. <laughs> which led to the penalty. Um, um, anything else? But also, you know, Casemiro. You'd think that this would be a a game where Casemiro would be important. What was interesting is that what was needed more a little bit than the kind of body work that he does and like the kind of, you know, preventative work was a little bit someone who could circulate the ball and handle the ball a little bit better, which is surprising given the conditions. Um, I, I am not worried about either of them though. Benzema is in having the season of his career. Like he looked great. And I, I want him to take, like, I want him taking those curling shots because he right now he's, he's, he's the type of guy might score one of those. So I'm okay with that. Um, and, you know, I eventually Casemiro will need to be rotated. But yeah, I just. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
we're still yet to see kind of the team function the season without him and what it will look like. Um, yeah, exactly. I think that if there was and, one game for me to do that, it's an upcoming game at the Bernabeu against Espanyol. And I, Espanyol have been dreadful this season. Now, maybe that changes a little bit with Machin, but I'd, I, uh, I think that's one that I would circle as one to really to see what it will look like without him and just rest some legs yeah, for Valencia Barca. Casemiro um, is also on four bookings, so the next one would be an automatic game suspension. So he's gonna he he needs rest. He's gonna get it. It's like either you know when he is set, uh, rotated by Zidane or when he is forced to be rotated by Zidane. Mm. Um, <laughs> via the accumulation of yellow guards. Um, I'm absolutely ready to give Alex Vidal a, a table, a seat at the table alongside Jordi Alba, Raul Garcia, and anyone else that fits that mold. Um, but that's it. That's all I got. So do you want to move to questions? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Patreon.com slash manager. Go there. Pledge. Support the show. Get access to bonus shows. Get guaranteed responses to your questions. Um, and so forth. First patron question is from Frederick Rantakiro. He says, Alaves post-game thoughts. Great to see the team grinding out a good result at a tough away venue. How amazing does Ramos look in that glorious mustache? Well, that's one way to put it. Frederick, might be al- you might be alone on that island. I don't know if there's anyone else um, sailing up to that island besides you. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sailing up to that island either. I, I, gotta, I think generally mustaches... Just they do not look good on people. I was about to say <laughs> the same I'm thing. Like, I don't. I don't see. I don't. I can't think of a person who would look better with a mustache. The only, the only way, like, and and they've kind of come back, ironically, because people are like, "Damn, this makes me look dumb." <laughs> so they're doing it as a funny, as like a joke on themselves, but. I don't think Sergio Ramos knows that. I, I don't know. I don't understand the decision, and I think, I think it looks terrible. Do they have Movember <laughs> Just, in Spain? I have no idea. No, no, they don't know. I mean, they do know about it because now everyone knows about everything. But like, no, Sergio no, Ramos is always that. doing weird shit with his with his with his uh, with his look, and this is just another example of that. <laughs> Mustaches are are generally yeah they're they're very hard to pull off and if Sergio Ramos um, a a guy with a chiseled jaw like like that can't pull it off then I have no hope for mustaches. Um, <laughs> Faisal Hamdan says, "Hey guys, as always, I love the podcast. Watching the Burnabout show all that love to Kaylor Navas on Tuesday, deservedly so. I couldn't help but remember how Casillas left Madrid, and made me feel sad because I think the way he left was not handled well. There wasn't enough." There wasn't enough respect, in my opinion. Which departures do you guys believe were not handled well by Madrid? And on a completely different topic, as a Torontonian, I'm so impressed with the Raptors. I genuinely thought that we would not have a chance when Kawhi left. But Siakam and Van Vliet are doing much better than expected. What are your expectations for the season? Hashtag we the North, hashtag Halamadi. Normally, I probably would have not read the second part, but because this, it made me so happy, I read it. But... Uh, <laughs> So the question is... Why don't wait. you answer the second part of the question right now? <laughs> just, just, for, just for him about... Just talk about the NBA quickly, and then we'll get back to the... Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I can't believe how good Toronto has been. Um, coming from a Raptors fan, I thought they'd be good. Um, I, I knew the record without Kawhi was, was really good last season, but I'm a, I can't believe how good Siakam is. I can't believe how good Van Vliet is. And I can't believe how Siakam is like 
morphed into a top 10 player abs- like within two years of being a nobody, essentially, with all due respect to him. Um, he's been unbelievable, and they are like real candidates to make the finals again somehow, and I don't know how, but they get to the finals. Who knows what can happen from there? A few injuries fall your way. Um, uh, some luck falls your way. Who knows? But yeah, I'm I'm floored. They're still not as I, good as your Bucks, but you know who knows yeah, what. I, love, I mean, I love the fact that they're this good is, is amazing. And that my Bucks are only this good because they have my man Giannis, and they may not have him for very much longer. <laughs> That's right. Um, then you're going to become a Raptors fan. We're gonna that that will be a great time. Yeah. No, I'll go be like the worst like bandwagon fan possible and be a Lakers fan. <laughs> Uh, that sucks. Um, no, I, as as a Real Madrid fan, we all should be supporting our man Luca, who um, Luca Doncic, who is huge Real Madrid fan, um, and who is playing out of his mind and is an, an absolutely unheard of territory right now for a uh, for a rookie. Yeah, he, incredible. It, he's he's putting up incredible numbers for the Mavericks, and basically the main reason that they're you know. In fourth place in the West. Yeah, can so I give you an unbelievable Luka Doncic stat? Um, they're yeah. all unbelievable, but I don't. Just in case you haven't seen this particular one, who uh, Mika Adams of the Ringer tweeted this last night. Uh, this is I I I've actually read it a few times today just to make sure I get it right because it's crazy. Um, it's this: Luka Doncic has played ninety career games. He already has more forty-point ten assist games than. Magic Johnson and Steve Nash, and he's got the same number as Steph Curry, Chris Paul, and T Mac, among others. That's it's unbelievable. He's not even real at this point. Incredible. I told everyone that before that draft, I was like, Luka Doncic should be the number one pick in this draft, and uh, everyone was like, Oh, he might drop to sixth or whatever. And I was like, No, he won't. He, he has to go first. And then they were like, No. Nah. And you know what? That's better for better for me. I was right. Uh, not it's not like A ten has been bad, but I mean, come on. Um, all right, the first part. Wait, of wait, this... wait. Can I give one more thing on this? Since we're on the NBA topic, I think this we can tie this into some kind of football discussion. But if you look at the Raptors roster, um, it's like a bunch of players who were in the G League last season who are just tearing it up, and a lot of that has to do with good coaching and good youth development and. The Raptors have this unique thing where they have the Raptors 905, which is their G League team, which if you want to like give the football equivalent, it's kind of like Castilla, but if Castilla were in Segunda instead of Ter- uh, Segunda Bay. Um, and the benefits of having a team in Toronto as your second league, second team, essentially where you can stash all your promising young players and get them playing constantly that's the benefit you're seeing now of that team because they're doing all this without Lowry and Ibaka who are injured. And this is why I always think like it should be such a priority if for for Castilla to get to Segunda for that reason. Um, yeah. Imagine a world where you had a B team. Maybe it's not even Castilla, but like I always thought of the idea, like what Manchester City with, did with Girona I think was was pretty smart. Um, I don't think they yeah, have I mean, seen any rewards from it now. But like, imagine if Valladolid worked out, and you like, you could actually get Lunin playing time and all your loan. He's there and get them consistent playing time. Um, it, it's just such a such a benefit. I think there's something to learn from yeah. that model. Yeah, I totally agree. 
Sorry, um, so you were in yeah. the middle of answering that the question about Casillas and respecting legends and stuff. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, there is no good way for this to work. Um, and part of the issue is that Madrid is a team that needs to win all the time and play. In order to win all the time, you need to play the best players all the time, or at least most of the time. And as legends age, they begin to not play as well. It's just true. And so as you, you know, approach these ages where the legends are not as good as the people that they're that are maybe coming up through the through the ranks, the be- like what the best way to handle it is how the like other legends have dealt with it, which is if you want to keep playing, go to it like you announce that this will be your last season at Madrid. Be very understanding of that. And go and then play for a couple of years, and you'll you will be beloved by Real Madrid fans. Yeah. Unfortunately, the only unfortunately, in if the if the legend because that's that's really like the mover and shaker, and if that person like that's what Raúl did. That is the, the the correct way to do it. I'm very still like he played for Schalke for two years and then played in Dubai and then played in. The U.S. Um, briefly, that was a great way to do it. Um, we've seen plenty of other legends do it similarly. I mean, Zidane played every day for Madrid, and then he retired, right after the world after the World Cup in 2006. He was still probably a very good player. That's a different different type of thing. But with Casillas, it was it was a worst case scenario because Casillas didn't want to leave, didn't want to stop playing at Real Madrid, and he was demonstrably worse than the other options that the team had at that point. Uh, and Real Madrid, you have to win. And he, you have to put out the team that gives you the best chance to win every game, all the time. And that team did not include Igor Casillas by the end of his career with Real Madrid. So uh, he was very unhappy about that fact. And he blamed the coach for not playing him. And he kind of created this uh, dynamic within the dressing room that was very poisonous. I'm sure Mourinho did not help that. Um, But the ultimate truth there is that he simply wasn't really ready. (laughs) Yeah. Um, He wasn't really the guy Madrid should have been relying on. No, I think that's right. And like, look, I, I'm for that reason, all the reasons you just mentioned, I'm, I'm not, that un- up in arms about the way you know Casillas was quote unquote treated when he left. Um, the reality is he just wasn't good enough to play by the time he left, um, and actually even before he left, he wasn't good enough. Even in that uh, in La Decima yeah. was uh, was kind of terrifying to see him in goal and the way he we could see was... that goal against Godin. Was it Godin who scored? I yeah, think it, it was. was... Yeah, it was a it was a accident like it was a terribly handled. I mean, like I think we can be pretty confident that if another keeper had been in goal, that would not have happened. You can kind of trace back like the the treating badly stuff. Um, the obviously the the most controversial era was the whole thing with Mourinho and Mourinho did not like certain things uh, being leaked. Although there was no ever, I don't think any real proof ever came out, but. There was definitely tension there because he did not Mourinho did not want Casillas to be so buddy buddy with Xavi, uh, and 
and Casillas was trying to busy men trying to mend that national team relationship, but then also um, the leaking stuff, the, the leaking the lineups and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I uh, with Casillas, I think because you mentioned Raul going to Schalke and then uh, and then Dubai, and now he's back. Um, Casillas will be back at the club at some point. I think there are a lot to go back to the question was asking like what are some other examples. Um, I think if you go back in Real Madrid's history, there are a lot of good players slash legends uh, who just kind of left unceremoniously, and that's just business to me. I don't think that that is unique to Real Madrid. Oh, that yeah, exists everywhere. Um, like for example, Di Maria and Ozil kind of just leaving overnight and didn't didn't get anything. Kind of Luis Figo literally left, wow. and no one no one like battered an eye. It was like kind of overnight he was past it. Did not get a send off. Um, I mean, I, Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, Cristiano left. Ronaldo. There was left. a send. There was a sort of send off. The and one it was fine. The one that sticks out to me that always is is a stain uh, on the way Florentino handled things. This is was and this was right when he first became the president in two thousand. Was the whole Redondo thing, and the whole thing was because Redondo supported signs in the elections and not Florentino and then for political reasons he was sold and there were they, it was not good treatment of uh, an absolute legend somehow that worked out just by I don't know some 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 way um, because Redonda got injured and then Makaleli turned out to be incredible from Celta but that's the one I always circle as the one that I don't think he was treated yeah. well um, and there were other ones like maybe Del Bosque and the way Hierro and Morientes left but other than that, I think most of this is just normal business. I don't think like Casillas yeah. leaving the way he did was because he just wasn't good enough. If he if he was still the heroic version of Casillas, he probably wouldn't have been sold. But he just wasn't that anymore. And at that point, you just need to give it to Kaylor Navas, and because yep. he was the better keeper at the yep. time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, this is the last question. This one came in after the PS or after yeah after the PSG game, and uh, Lucas and I a mailbag on Thursday and this was meant to come in um, for that but it came in after so we're taking it here Patrick Odiafati says um, I was really happy with 80 minutes in the Madrid PSG game who do you blame for the mix up between Varane and Courtois if that hadn't happened right after we scored I feel like we would have won the game fairly easily we've seen a resurgence in the team in the last few weeks what can we attest that to a lot of these players are the same ones who underperformed heavily last season is the Zizou of old back a lot of questions. Um, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't tend to blame. I think that the keeper in situations like that is the person who has to has to take go take charge. So I guess if Ron mix up. I would blame Courtois probably, mm. but you know I don't. I don't love the idea of assigning blame on stuff like this. I uh, obviously the stadium is loud. They just had scored, so no one in the universe except for Varane and Courtois knows what was said in that split second. If Courtois called Varane off and said, "I have it," and Varane maybe did, but I think if you're Varane, the ball is coming to you. Just hoof that away. Um, I'm cut, so I'm gonna, I'm going to zag on your zig and just blame Varane for it. Fine, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but. Um, 
I do agree that if that split second doesn't happen, then Real Madrid win that game. And I actually do agree with the idea that they actually win that easily because I mentioned this in the post-game podcast to Jonathan Johnson that at 2-0, it felt like 4-0 was a more realistic outcome than 2-2. That's how dumb yeah. Real Madrid were in that game. And that's yeah. how much security I, I had when Benzema scored the second and kind of it seemed like buried PSG. But that yeah. one mistake at yeah. the back gave PSG lifeline that they just capitalized on almost immediately. So, yeah. Um, I agree, too. I agree with that. Um, so we've seen a resurgence in the last few weeks. What can, what does that do to? Uh, yes, we have seen, and I think the resurgence continues. I, like I said earlier, I'm kind of excited and happy about this team for the first time in a while. Uh, I actually think a lot of the things that, and what it is is that a lot of the people, the players that we said were going to be good have been good. (laughs) Uh, and that Zidane is making the off, like he's making his offense work. You know, then mm-hmm. and, and and that I think is is the critical, you know, thing to see here is that he, what he has been the hand he has been given in terms of offense is a situation without a pure pure goal scorer. Benzema has been the person that has scored the goals, but functionally there's no pure goal scorer on the team. So Zidane has been forced to create a new type of offense that reminds one sort of of the old kind of total football pep style where there's kind of a positionless offense and he's in working with the players to understand how that works and why that, you know, can help break down teams. Uh, And we've seen them execute that. And then we've also seen them win and execute games in games where uh, they wouldn't in previous, previous things, previous eras because they, uh, would you know because of the 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 crowd or the you know the conditions or whatever were were grinding right and like the, that was the Alaves one so I think it's both that people are beginning to understand what Zidane wants out of them uh, and I also think there is a bigger Zidane question <laughs> which is uh, he, one of Zidane's big things is he wants everyone motivated and everyone to be giving their 100, 150%. And I think it's possible that he is, you know, beginning to find that rhythm and get back into that motivator, top motivator coach. <laughs> and when you can do that with a team this talented, you're going to, you're going to win. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Jan? I, I'm, I'm on, I'm on the same page as you. And I think I'm generally cautiously, very cautious about this stuff when there's good runs because I know how volatile a season can be. Um, and I still want to wait till Classico to see what happens there. <clears throat> yeah. But uh, I've been, I'm very cautiously optimistic about what I'm seeing right now. And I think while we can discuss like the tactical things, which we've already discussed to death and I don't want to get into now, like, you know, namely like the, the positional discipline of the defensive line has been just better of late and overall yep. this season and, and, and Hazard obviously coming back to form helps. Um, all of those things, all of those things matter. But I think one of the, one of the things that I like from this run of games is that it hasn't been reliant on individual brilliance. And it's been a very collective thing. Like if you look at 
this game today, the game against uh, PSG, the game against Real Sociedad, for example, the most impressive wins. Uh, I keep on forgetting PSG is not a win. But the performance, the three most impressive performances during this round because they're against three really good teams and three tough game, three tough games, and they're not like Leganes and Galatasaray. The one thing that sticks out is that it is it hasn't been reliant, reliant on one transcendent person carrying the team at, amid a bad performance. But you can actually look back on these three games and be like, you know what? Everyone in the lineup actually like just was good and did their part. Um, yeah. It was very hard to find something negative from the PSG game apart from that Varane mistake. And everyone was good. And even up until that point, Varane was great. And... And so, like, you could you could talk about a million things. You could talk about Hazard, Isco, Benzema, Marcelo. You could talk about Mendy against um, against Real Sociedad. You can talk about Carvajal's resurgent. You can talk about uh, how just how good Benzema's been. Casemiro, like Fede Valverde's been awesome. Like, I couldn't. I ran out of like notepad space for Fede Valverde against PSG. He was so good, and and that's what's impressive to me and that's what's encouraging yeah, yeah, to yeah. me is that Zidane yeah. has motivated everyone right now and everyone seems yeah. to be buying in and I can't I don't think we can discount that and I feel much better when the team as a collective looks the body language looks looks awesome uh, that is more encouraging than to me than kind of not playing well and then let's say someone like Ronaldo pops up and saves our ass this is this is why I'm encouraged I think yeah exactly yeah me too um, all um, right. Well, great. G- Gabe, that's the end of our questions. Um, so uh, I guess what's, it's Saturday now. So get, get ready for part two where we discuss basketball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stick around for part two uh, where we talk about uh, Giannis's uh, inevitable move to the Raptors. Um, Gabe, <laughs> Gabe, this was fun. Um, hope to have fun, you man. on often you. Um, moving forward yep. and try to yep. pry you away from your job as much as possible. So. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Until next time. Adam 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 Adam. Adam.